0: All right, welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Matt Taibbi,
2: and I'm Katie Halper.
0: And this is the speed I want to do the entire show at. And
2: Which is what speed?
0: Like the faster. Oh speed, yeah, let's do it. Let's upbeat, do it. Upbeat. All right,
2: upbeat. Yeah, let's do Just it. Pace,
0: pace, pace, pace. pace, pace. Uh, lots of stuff to go through this week. We have a, a really fascinating guest. Actually,
2: yeah, literally we one of the most. you not?
0: <laughs> you will find out why that pun is appropriate. But uh, one of the most interesting people I've ever interviewed. Which I shit you not.
2: Yeah. yeah, you've interviewed a lot of people, so
0: so uh so that's but we'll keep it a secret. Uh quickly we have to get because since it's not part of the, the program that we have scheduled, we should probably just sort of mention that you know the, the latest development in the Assange case since like only eight people are going to talk about it know, otherwise it's really
2: ridiculous
0: so there was a yahoo news did it did a, an investigation like yahoo news randomly. i know like what's that all about and I, I guess the angle for people is that this this came from the trump administration um, which makes sense in that sense but you know uh, essentially there was a a plan well it was discussed within the cia that they might deem WikiLeaks a, uh, a a quote, non-state hostile intelligence service, uh, which could lead to kidnapping and even assassinating uh, Julian Assange. Of course, they, you know, they didn't follow through on it. They just talked about it. Right. Like, you know, yeah. like that's a crime. I mean, really, you know, come on.
2: Um, Are we not allowed to to, yeah. to discuss possibilities? It's a free country. Exactly.
0: Exactly. You know, it's funny. I uh, Eons ago, I believe it or not, was at a baseball game with a justice official. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of random. It was somebody who yeah. was a, a source on something else, and uh, the subject of Assange very briefly came up. Uh, and this was in the Obama years. He he sort of just casually described him as well. You know, it's he's a it's a hostile terrorist organization. So so I, I think this is like yeah. the per, the prevailing thinking, you know, oh, within, what right. you know what I'm saying? Like this, I, I don't think this was a unique to Trump. You Well, unique to Trump or unique even to a few people. I think this is kind of the prevailing view. You know, we've had hints of this from Hillary Clinton saying, why can't we just drone him? Right. Allegedly, you know, to the fact that they did a thousand different insane things to To him while he was in custody and looked through his his
2: kids' diapers.
0: Yeah, all that stuff. So
2: and shout out to friend of show Max Blumenthal for reporting on this stuff earlier. I don't think with this evidence, but there is a Spanish case about this, Mm. um, about the treatment, about what what UC UC Global, which is a Spanish security firm, what they were doing um, at Mm. the behest. We thought of the CIA, but now we know that the CIA, I guess, really was talking about it. Mm-hmm. whereas before right. they were just saying that they were doing it
0: but nonetheless life goes on the Assange goes on. case goes on so for food groups democrats suck republicans suck isn't that weird isn't that terrible i, I know i promise not to belabor this whole issue but i did want to i i just felt like since nobody else was talking about this wanted to mention a little teeny tiny part of the Sussman indictment. It's it, it's a really good Democrat suck to me. Yeah, I I think so. This indictment is Special Counsel John Durham, who was sort of charged with investigating potential crimes. Uh, you know, in basically involving fraudulently setting up Russiagate. right? And this this indictment is the second one. Like the first one involved an FBI agent who. Lied to get FISA authority to to listen into Carter Page, so that was the first one. This the second one is sort of that just happened is sort of the bigger one, and it's um it's against Michael Sussman who was one of the Hillary Clinton campaign's lawyers, um, and the charges for lying to the FBI. Do you remember the Alpha Capital story? That 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 crazy story that Donald Trump was communicating by a secret server with a that there there is a mysterious computer server that is that is uh, communicating with Alpha Bank in Russia.
2: Vaguely, it all you don't remember this? together. Honestly, no, I don't think so. Is that that's different from Deutsche Bank?
0: No, no, this is very different from Russian Bank. Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe Matt, while I'm talking, if you could look it up, the Franklin Foyer piece. It was a big story. Here it is. Yeah. Was a Trump server communicating with Russia? And this was a... Sounds
2: this like is a seance.
0: A, yeah, no, it's, it's this completely batshit story. If you read it, essentially, it's a bunch of computer scientists who are all anonymous and using uh, like sexy spy pseudonyms like tea leaves and they're and they're claiming that there is indecipherable computer chatter between a trump-linked organization and a bank in russia called alpha bank but they couldn't tell what the communications were but you know they they kind of suggested that they were illicit the story was so ridiculous that the new york times actually kind of blew it off Wow. Um, they did report that the FBI was investigating it, but they're like, man, nah, this doesn't look like anything. Even the Washington Post sort of did, but a lot of other people reported it. It was on MSNBC, CNN. Uh, Rachel went nuts over it. She you know, uh, she, she was saying, we're, we're so fortunate to have journalists as talented as you looking into this. When when that came on, Chris Hayes, got, uh, poor guy, he fell for, their, for this. Lots of other people. Anyway, the, the indictment is about how they cooked up this phony story uh, and most of it is about how the Clinton lawyers and this other guy basically leaned on these computer executives to drum up something that sa- that they said, you know, would at least sound plausible to reporters, even though they all protested and said, this isn't going to pass the smell test. Like nobody will believe it. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Don't worry about it. Anyway, they bring it to the FBI, which to me is I mean that's a, it's a crime you're like reporting a false crime basically to the FBI. Uh, and everybody's already gone over this. There's been a lot of discussion in the media about this. But there's a section in the end of this indictment that nobody's really talked about, which I thought was amazing. Uh, and this is this is the part that uh, I wanted to to kind of kind of go over just really quickly. And Matt, if we could again just look at that. This is page twenty three. And this is after the election. It's somewhere like around January, late January of 2017. So Trump's about to take office. It reads like this. Approximately one month later, Sussman contacted a former employee of agency two, the quote, the former employee in a further attempt to attain a meeting at agency two. The former employee communicated with Sussman on or about January 31st, 2017, during which the following in substance in part occurred. So Agency 2, we think, is the CIA, by the way. He had already gone to, F- to the FBI. Now they wanted to go and try to sell this phony story to a different agency.
2: Okay.
0: Contrary to his prior false representation to the FBI general counsel and a representation that he would subsequently make to Agency 2, see below, Sussman advised the former empl- employee that he represented a, quote, client. B, Sussman summarized the updated allegations, which is just like the same story about the secret communication between Trump and Alpha Bank. And then C, Sussman requested that the former employee assist him in obtaining a meeting with Agency 2 and stated that if Agency 2 was not interested, Sussman's client would likely go to Newspaper 1, which is the New York Times, by the way, with the allegations. This is a lawyer for the Democratic Party for the Hillary Clinton campaign going to the CIA, pretty sure, saying if, if, and going to a former CIA official at this point, saying, if you can't get me a meeting at the actual CIA about, about this alpha bank business, we're gonna to go to the New York Times and tell them that you refuse to take a meeting about Russia, Trump's collusion with this Russian bank. It's not exactly blackmail, but it's pretty close. Uh, And this tells you a lot about about how a lot of these stories came to be. So they did it both ways. Right. So, that you know, in some cases, they would go and get the FBI or some agency interested in some of these things. And then they would go to a newspaper and say, look, the FBI is interested. Therefore, you should write a story. But then they also went the other way where they would say, "Okay, well, if you don't if you don't do an investigation um, into this matter that we want publicized then we're going to tell the newspapers that you're not you're refusing to investigate Trump's collusion. Right. You see what I'm saying?
2: Yes. So is there a term for this? You should come up with a term for this.
0: I mean, it's it's blackmail, but it's it's not the legal definition of it. Right. It's they're they're essentially leveraging their connections with a newspaper.
2: Right. And they they're they're leveraging their connection to the newspaper and also like threatening to tar these people as trump enablers
0: as trump enablers and potentially colluders with russia right this is like peering you know behind the looking glass at how remember at the time we were kind of a lot of us were watching these stories come over the wire saying, wow, it's amazing. They've got all this stuff. Like there has to be something there, right? Because, you know, where are all these headlines coming from? And then we start, you know, through through stuff like this, we start to find out where some of these stories came from. It's just like a—it's a glimpse into how this particular sausage got made. It—I—I it, I thought this was classic because this is—it's the Clinton campaign. They're, they're going to get away with this, like they've—they've—they've yeah. they've, they've gotten away with it already. Unless there are many more indictments to come, and you know, some some of these defendants start talking and saying terrible things, it's—it's it's a window into you know what RussiaGate was on some level.
2: A very scrupulous investigation.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so absurd. You know, they hire this big fancy law firm, a pretty well known cybersecurity lawyer. Sussman's a former justice official, right? He's not a nobody. He's like one of, you know, an expensive Washington lawyer. You know, they, they essentially cook up. He, he goes to some friends and has them lean on some university computer experts to drum up a story. And there's a really funny, part in the indictment where this other tech executive tells these computer experts, if you spend more than an hour trying to make this make, make sense, you failed the assignment. So in other words, he's saying, like, don't work too hard at it. Right. Um, so they come up with this really stupid story that none of them think is going to pass the smell test. Uh, they take it to the FBI be- because they have connect because this guy's a former justice official and he has connections there and they use that to go to the New York times and say, well, the FBI is investigating it. You should look at it. And, you know, that's how stuff gets into the newspaper. Like it, they, you know, people think that everything that they see in the news doesn't have a backstory to it, but you know, very, very often it does have there, there, there is a whole process to getting things in the news. And this is just like a good example of how it happens.
2: Yeah. The story, like there's a story behind the story. Right right it's newsworthy but that won't that no one will cover and that people will just call you a russian apologist and uh you in particular both the both the collective you and also you the Matayibi.
0: yeah yeah I, i would say that this is not the end of the story though because from everything i hear there's there's at least a couple more shoes that are that have to drop although can a couple more shoes drop does it only have to be one more shoe
2: I mean, I feel like now that we're mentioning it, it's kind of an ableist expression based on having two feet.
0: Well, could you have three feet? I guess you
2: could, could, right? Yeah. I mean, or you could have one foot and then there's just no other option for another shoe. So then what do you do?
0: There's another theoretical.
2: We need to have, we have to have a a name for Uh, this one where we problematize terminology.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We we need, we need to, we need the Woke button. We need to wokeify cliches. Is what it is. Oh
2: right, yeah. We need a woke cliché button. We yeah.
0: We need to wokeify
2: cliches. Yeah. So that waiting for the other shoe to drop could be. God, can we even go there at all?
0: I don't know. Wait, wait, do we- waiting, waiting for the other article of clothing. Yeah. To, but of yeah. course, then
2: what about people who don't wear clothing? Yeah. I guess all. I guess all people, even in in remote areas they were something right but then it's like they don't have as many if they just wear like a loincloth they don't even have that option well maybe there's some jewelry involved but so what do you predict is happening what's the other garment of whatever that could drop
0: well i just think that there's probably some more indictments coming there's going to be a report coming um question of how much of that gets made public by merrick garland it's, it's kind of a reverse muller it's sort of interesting So
2: reverse uh, muller That sounds like a sports thing.
0: Yeah. What would a reverse muller in gymnastics look like?
2: Do we want to know?
0: I'm not sure we want to know. Anyway, while while we while we consider that, what do we have for Republican Suck?
2: Okay. So for Republican Suck, just reading an important article, Trump called press secretary from Air Force One to defend shape and size of his penis. New book claims. So Donald Trump was on board Air Force One when he felt compelled to deny claims from adult film, Stormy, Dan- film star Stormy Daniels that his appendage was shaped like the mushroom character from Mario Kart. According to new reports, the former president called the press secretary Stephanie Grisham to assure her that his penis was in fact neither sm- small nor bore a uh, resemblance to a cartoon fungus. Uh, I think it's kind of an unnecessary thing, bringing in the fungus, but apparently, and this, by the way, this claim was made by Ms. Grisham uh, in an upcoming book called I'll Take Your Questions Now, What I Saw in the White House, preview copies of which were delivered to the Washington Post and New York Times ahead of its release on October 5th. We should we should read some of that. So I guess he said he called he he called her. Um, And she says that she said to that, uh, yes, sir. Guess what? Mr. Trump obviously is denying it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Trump is saying that it's untrue. Uh, And he, of course, is is smearing uh, Grisham. He's saying that she doesn't have what it takes, didn't have what it takes after a breakup um, in an apparent reference to her split with another White House official, Max Miller. And then Trump says she became very angry and bitter after a breakup. And as time went on, she was seldom relied on or even thought about. She had big problems. And we felt that she should work out those problems for herself. Now, like everyone else, she gets paid by a radical left-leaning publisher to say bad and untrue things. Let's see. Then Trump's spokeswoman, Liz Harrington, uh, pushed back also and said, publishers should be ashamed of themselves for preying on desperate people who see the short-term game and writing a book full of falsehoods. Uh, the little substance of her book has, if you can make it through the juvenile gossip, flies in the face of reality and deserves no serious recognition. So what what happened was that Ms., uh, Stormy Daniels said in her own memoir, Full Disclosure, uh, she said that Trump had a smaller than average but not freakishly small penis and that it was unusually shaped. Uh, and and in the book, she says, I lay there annoyed that I was getting F by a guy with Yeti pubes and a Dick, like the mushroom character in Mario Kart. He knows he has an unusual penis. It has a huge mushroom head like a toadstool. <laughs> 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 then she later regretted thrusting Mr. Trump's genitals into the public public's consciousness, saying it amounted to body shaming. Mm. Yeah, I guess he uh, that's the story. We really should get our hands on uh, on that book and read about it oh, on the
0: book. Okay yeah on the book
2: yeah i mean mushroom shaped toadstool is that body shaming i get what what's yeti pubes what are yeti what are yeti pubes
0: yeti the abominable snowman like really hairy
2: right yeti is the is is that like the what's is that what's his name the we don't know if he exists guy
0: it's like it's like himalaya sasquatch
2: yeah sasquatch that's yeah the same part is that the same creature or just another possible
0: it's the same one but he but he's a snow version
2: it's like the same creature in snow or they're totally different but equivalent to each other i realize i don't know a lot of <laughs> okay so that's yeti
0: yeah no the 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 yeti is a is a what i think a, a nepalese or himalayan legend okay right and, Sas- and he's a and sasquatch is the pacific northwest he's brown you know he was in harry and the hendersons
2: right so that's also problematic not that's not a um a cliche but it's a problematic it's somehow problematic the yeti forget the body shaming it's just cultural appropriation
0: oh it's cultural appropriation yeah that's true that's true
2: so stormy (laughs) daniels owes two apologies now wilson can we see mario kart oh wow so for people who are just watching how would you describe that? It's a very heavy on the bulge toadstool. Oh my god, that is so cute. What is that? That's Mario Kart? Who is that? I know nothing about this stuff. That's you Toad, really toad from Mario. Okay, that's Toad from Mario. So that's what Okay, but there in this picture he looks kind of like Aladdin. So what's the difference between Toad from Mario standing up and uh, sorry, problematic, but Aladdin, we got a an elongated full like I wouldn't say fully bodied because he's basically has no legs, but a big torso, little arms and feet and like a, an Aladdin style vest. So, okay. that Either way, they're both really cute as creatures, not as penises.
0: Look, I, I, I think it's fair to say that um, strategically, if a, if a porn star says that you have a, a, a small penis that looks like a character in Mario Kart, you probably shouldn't call a female aide and complain about it because that will end up in a book, right? And that will that will lend credence to the story.
2: Yes, he just right, right. right. Like, why do you have to assure anyone that your penis is not, in fact, shaped like a toadstool, toadstool or small? Right. You should be secure enough in your penis size and shape.
0: Right. Remember when he's remember in the debate when he said like. Uh, there's no problem there. Believe me.
2: Yeah. That was because he called Mario lit Mario, um, sorry, Marco Rubio, uh, Mario, Marco Rubio. Yeah. Little Marco. And then Marco referred to his hand size. And then he said, Marco Rubio said, I'll admit he's taller than me. He's like six two, which is why I don't understand why his hands are the size of someone who is five two. Have you seen his hands? And you know what they say about men with small hands? You can't trust them so then uh trump pushed back nobody has ever hit my hands i've never heard of this but do you know this you know that he someone did refer to his hands oh the great Carter thing. yeah yeah great Carter. Oh of course yeah i read
0: read, that was from spy magazine which i read religiously throughout the 90s
2: so what did he say he called him a called him
0: a short-fingered vulgarian every time they referred to donald trump in the magazine it would say short-fingered vulgarian donald trump
2: right Yes, short finger Bulgarian, right? So uh
0: and it drove Trump nuts.
2: Crazy, right? So so guys, we just caught Trump in a lie because he said no one's ever hit me on my on my hands, and we know that that is an outrage. Well, lie. I
0: mean, hands and fingers are two different things.
2: Oh come on, fingers count. Fingers are a part of hands.
0: I guess. You can have small hands and, and long you are fingers are a
2: Trump defender.
0: I am. Yeah, I'm totally in the bag for Trump.
2: Wait, you could have long hands. Wait, you could have, oh, you're saying, you're right. He could have big hands, short fingers, which is like even worse. Yeah. I don't know which is worse, small hands, all, small hands? I mean, I think he,
0: you want you them want to be proportional no matter what. I think that's, that's kind of the first consideration.
2: Oh, wait a second, though. If they were short, would that be consi- consistent with the penis allegation? In other words, if he had short fingers, big hands, no, then the penis version of that would not be small. Which is what he has apparently. He is small with abnormally large head. Is that what Dan was saying?
0: Yeah, I uh, uh, um.
2: I thought you'd be into this penis math.
0: I look, it's hilarious.
2: Right. I'm just trying to figure out what the equivalent would be.
0: I mean, I think on the list of things that bother Donald Trump, it's probably in the top eight.
2: Right. You I'm know. I'm saying the penis equivalent of what carter is accusing him of having what's a short-fingered vulgarian penis version of that what is the penile short-fingered vulgarian
0: yeah i don't know a micro penis uh i don't know it's like the, I don't know, I, know, maybe I, it lines
2: I, up because she's saying it's small not that small which if we think he has normal-sized hands with short fingers anyway that's i don't know if that's a good republican suck that's almost the republicans are awesome
0: no no that
2: it, it does, it it's does it's that, republican
0: right? it's republicans don't know how to handle themselves yeah handle probably don't sleep with a porn star and have it end poorly like i i think that's
2: yeah not that there's anything wrong with that just the optics when you're especially i was gonna say especially when you're republican but actually either one this country isn't really ready for that but you're saying ju- you're just saying for the for the for the dispotential yeah, I for the dis- right. potential. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm actually really surprised he never hit back about her. You know, he wanted to. There must have been so much coaching for him not to.
0: I, I don't even want to think about. Well, I, I can already imagine the things that he would say.
2: But do you, well? Do you know? Do you watch Kirby Enthusiasm? I forget.
0: Uh, I do. Yeah.
2: Remember the one where this woman accuses Jeff of having a small penis, and Jeff responds by saying, actually "She has a huge vagina." Yeah.
0: I don't know that that would really be an insult in this case.
2: It would look defensive.
0: Like he just played this one poorly. Like it, it you know. Right. That's a nine putt to me. We, we've left out the major thing, which is that uh, if he wanted to disprove the theory, he could just whip it out.
2: You're right. I'm actually surprised he didn't do that. Kind of like um, the character in Waiting for Guffman, Ron and Sheila, the the real estate no, the travel agents. When he mm-hmm. reveals at dinner in a Chinese restaurant that he had to have penis reduction surgery.
0: Right, right, yeah. That's
2: such a great scene.
0: That was a good one, though. I like that. isn't that weird. We have, we have a, um, we got a good one. Can we start Matt with uh, Macron's egging? There, see.
2: Yeah, this is one where French President Emmanuel Macron was hit with an egg in Lyon, France.
0: Look, I think this is weak, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a case. I'm gonna make a v- video case for why this is weak. First of all, the egg didn't, didn't even break.
2: I know, was that a hard boiled egg? It looked like a hard boiled egg.
0: Yeah, and so first of all, throwing an egg at a politician is weak to begin with because it's not original. It's been done before and there's a whole history of it.
2: Politicians being hit by eggs. This is a video compilation. Australian PM Scott Morrison narrowly avoided a close range egging. Barely see that.
0: See, that's yeah, weak.
2: Can't see Where did it go? Is it behind his head? It,
0: it just bounced off his head.
2: You're the politicians who weren't so lucky,
0: right? I don't know who that guy is actually, but look, that one cracked.
2: Yeah, when you crack, that's good,
0: right? But it's got to at least crack. Ooh, that one's that's a good. good. One oh, no, wait, 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 Can we stop.
2: That's the, a little the, kid.
0: This that's one a is this one is great because the kid has the balls to, to physically crack it and. St- stand there like yes. and yeah and film the the reaction shot yeah. like the like if we could see that whole sequence a lot of equanimity in this kid this kid this kid seriously this, a lot of uh, yeah, yeah like valid. he's ready ready for the business let's let's see how that work goes again see look look look
2: really wow. good and that right? one just pops yeah he turns around yeah. he doesn't go anywhere
0: all right a crucial yeah, he's time. To... He's trying to vote. Yeah. Hit him with an oh, egg. Another one, yeah. Right.
2: Who made this video, though? It was very. That, that looks awesome Slavic.
0: Video.
2: Oh, here's David Cameron. Let's see yeah. what happens here. Whoa! Can't even see. That was you a. Can't wasted. even see it. It's wasted. You got to.
0: You got to get good. Good. A good camera angle. Oh, that that's one. good that one. I like.
2: because I like back. that.
0: He fights back. Where's
2: that tubby gentleman. I oh, that know. does not, not end well, because like he's, like he's on the he floor. Oh! To... That's different. That's like, Sorry all right, poor that. people. No, people no. who are just watching. Obviously not, not one of my <laughs> fans. No, no.
0: Not one of my fans. So
2: that's different. That's a sneak attack. That's, in that case, the guy puts cracks an egg. Wait, what was that? Hold on. That one? Oh, that's that uh, scary Austrian guy. I think. No, the scary, Niles, Niles whatever, the Brit. Scary Brit guy.
0: And we have another one with him. Here's John Major. John Major. Oh uh, so deep cut. Yeah. All right. Well, we have enough eggings here.
2: Enough eggings. Uh, good. People should so, rate them.
0: I, I look, I think the only thing we can conclude from the eggings is one, you have to crack it. You have to physically make sure that it cracks.
2: Yeah. Preferably
0: by actually pressing it against the politician's head. Right. right. That's one. Two, two is the only proper response for a politician is to actually just turn around and deck the person who does it.
2: Yeah. That, well, that's I don't know. Not if you're, it depends how you, how you wind up. You know what I mean? What if you deck them, but then you wind up being punched out, at least you still made the effort. Maybe the real response is just pretend it didn't happen.
0: Uh, yeah. I guess you can either pretend it didn't, it didn't happen. I, I think instantaneously decking the person is, is, is a probably a safe call on almost every, instance, but you're right. uh, Pretending it didn't happen probably works.
2: But I do want to raise one question, which is there is one move where we saw someone almost fake like pat the guy on the shoulder and there was an egg there. And that's a cowardly move.
0: Yeah, because it's like you're pretending to be his buddy, but it turns out to be like you're leaving an egg on it. Like you should just grind it into his head. Right. Like menacingly. Here's some other famous incidences of things being thrown at politicians uh and famous people obviously i think the shoe at george bush right was an important moment
3: moment.
2: that guy's a hero
0: okay all right so what if
3: the guy threw a shoe at me
0: first of all that's like extra props because how do you ever get past all the security right i mean you i guess you got to wear shoes right that's so that's it
2: that's i mean that's that's you don't have that's a brilliant thing talking about waiting for the other shoe to drop wow coming full circle
0: right and that's creative like who's it who's ever thrown a shoe at a politician who's thrown two shoes at a politician
2: yeah you're right Wow, right? coming full circle again. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. He was waiting, Bush. He. I mean, I think everyone was surprised by his his wits. The only mm-hmm. problem with that is that it almost made Bush look. It did
0: almost make Bush right? look good. Yeah, actually, Bush. Bush kind of handled that well. Uh, I mean, so I it,
2: wouldn't have been able to duck. I don't think. Maybe it's. Do you think that's just an instinct?
0: It, it is kind of an instinct. I mean, it depends on how you how you want to play it. Like. You know, the cleanest would school would just be to let the let the shoe bounce off your head and harmlessly, right. like it, you know, it didn't affect you at all. You know, but going like that, like you're scared. I don't know. I, I think he looked. I think he came out looking all right in that one.
2: Do you know uh, who the who did it and and what he said? When I don't he did remember. It?
0: Yeah, don't it was in
2: two thousand eight, um, and it was an Iraqi journalist, Muntadar Al Zaidi, and uh, it was during an Iraqi press conference. And what he yelled at him was. This is a farewell kiss from the iraqi people dog mm. mm-hmm.
0: well good good yeah no i think he got his point across uh here's somebody who yeah. didn't handle it well and um like
2: i don't like that he called him a dog but besides that it's offensive because to it's dogs.
0: offensive to dogs yeah, yeah okay yeah. here's um here's a colleague of ours Tom, thomas friedman at brown university this is a funny one Thank you, Waldo. Thank you for that kind introduction. And uh, it's great to be back here at Brown. I like to be here for so, uh, six or seven here. What was that? What is? <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: pie. So two. You got two people. People just listening. You got two men, ma- two young men. It looks like throwing coming up to Friedman, who's wearing all black, which makes it all the more dramatic.
0: Well, because. That, that that's what? kind of his look. Remember, he used to wear that on like Charlie Rose?
2: Yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure he wore that for his famous. Oh, it was sucker. on Earth
2: Day. That's why it's green.
0: I gotta I gotta say this critically as someone who's pied somebody in, in the past. If you're gonna pie somebody, you, you gotta hit him. You can't oh, just and he, like stop. him in
2: the face. You can't oh, just you're... stop
0: five feet away or even ten feet away like that right. other guy and just kind of throw the pie. You gotta like run up to the dude and like pie him.
2: But you laughed, even though they failed. You laughed, so it kind of, it kind of. I mean, worked. I la-
0: I laughed because he, he was clearly rattled by the whole thing, and I, uh, you know, also it's just funny. Like I don't know like, how, how much did he get paid for that speech at Brown? Like probably, you know, ninety thousand dollars, some ridiculous thing like that, right? So, it, it worked out to be, like somehow the karma worked out. Matt,
2: you don't want to tell, you don't want to share with people who you pied.
0: I made a, I made a pie a cream pie out of horse sperm once and and put it in the face of the moscow uh the bureau chief of the new york times
2: and how did that how, what happened after that
0: so he thought it was a cream pie so he kind of like
2: no he didn't
0: like lick, licked it yeah
2: it was a cream pie but it was a horse cream pie
0: right cream of yeah. some
2: young horse
0: cream of some young horse we actually went to a horse farm and and paid them to jerk off a horse for that no you didn't well that's good
2: that's that's respecting the horse's time
0: well yeah i I actually wasn't there for that part of it but we got photos so uh,
2: oh my god
0: yeah it was uh and why
2: did you do this like why was he the victim
0: uh he had won we, we we had like this worst journalist in moscow competition and he was our winner so that was like the prize anyway moving on an even better thing to do to a politician. Could we see uh, Vitaly Zhirovsky?
3: He is a deputy um, and in parliament, as you say, a part of a, a party that Ukrainian. is pro-Russian, but the, in particular, the emotions are running high because parliament
0: was set to vote on
2: a oh vetting God. law,
0: anti-corruption, <laughs> uh,
2: it's okay, called lustration just law, what which
1: uh, people hope <laughs> will be able to uh, cleanse the government of corrupt okay, so politicians, they put, this is holdovers. awful. So from, they put uh, a guy President, in a, uh, garbage, pal.
0: Administration and yeah. a garbage, yeah,
2: a garbage not pail. What is that? A garbage uh, vat? What is that? It's Where, like
0: a dumpster, yeah, a dumpster, they, yeah, dumpster. Thank you. And they, but they, they had they, a whole bunch of them, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: They kept him there, like, they yeah. wouldn't let him leave. They put their hand on his head, on his and, forehead, and
0: then they put like a tire, another garbage on top of him, and like,
2: and then yeah. they're rocking the dumpster,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah I'm trying gosh. to see what those signs say, but I can't, I can't read that stuff. Uh, anyway, um so My that's uncle apparently
2: put a girl he had a crush on in, in middle school in a garbage
0: but Did that in work a,
2: in a playful in a playful way i'm not sure she was very skinny so he kind of just folded her up that in a non-violent way
0: closer to demented than cute
2: no it was funny apparently yeah i should go back and find her yeah make sure she's okay
0: um all right i will i'll take your word for it uh two more quick ones uh this was a whole trend uh believe it or not can we see uh nigel farage note that's uh cbs in its delivery of this story um that that they really really worked the puns and funny language in the script um so that tells you i I always appreciate that anyway go ahead
3: now to the UK, where demonstrators aren't just hurling insults at politicians; they're hurling milkshakes. Gwen Bumgardner's in London with more on how the sweet treat is being used as a tool of protest. Okay, good stuff. A warm welcome for British politician Nigel Farage took a cold turn at a campaign stop in England. A cold turn. Oh. The divisive Brexit party leader was hit by a banana and salted caramel milkshake. <laughs> hmm in his tailored suit became the latest target of milkshaking, a political statement making a splash in Britain. A
0: complete failure. Protesters it's making a splash. are targeting right-wing right.
3: politicians on the campaign trail. McDonald's has made the decision to stop selling milkshakes when there's a Brexit rally nearby. Its this technique I like when you walk toward the approach. camera. Burger King UK came under fire after tweeting. Dear people of Scotland, we're selling milkshakes all weekend. Have wow. fun. But police aren't laughing. They arrested Farage's attacker and charged him with assault. Spilled milk or not, oh, Farage's on. Brexit party is set to do well in this week's European elections. Gwen Baumgartner, CBS News, London.
0: Well, I, I, I like the fact that they knew it was a banana and salted caramel milkshake, which I know. tells me know? that somebody either tasted, tasted it, or, it. They, or they had a source who.
2: They had a source.
0: Yeah, so that's funny. Either way, it's funny. Um that
2: is you can't taste it and know it's banana, salted caramel. I sub I submit that that requires a source. That's too uh, specific.
0: It's too specific. Yeah, exactly. Sure. That's a little bit of a burn on farage. Like we 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 asked the people who did this, what flavor it was. And we thought that was funny enough to report. So like,
2: unless you know. there was a manifesto that the guy wrote.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah. I threw this banana and salted caramel milkshake yeah. on, on behalf of the people's front of whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it could have been that, I guess. Could have been that, yeah. Uh, just last one. I really want to quickly, cause I, I think basically all these things, if you compare them to this, it just doesn't measure up. So to speak. Uh, this is New Zealand Economic Minister Stephen Joyce. Absolutely, we always take something away from every meeting we have.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh my God! Is that a what I think it is? Yeah. Okay, Matt, you can describe it.
0: It's a dildo right in the face.
2: Yeah, dildo to the face. Is that the woman who did it? Yeah. raping our
3: country because of the TPPA and selling. We have. And what did she say?
0: Wow. <laughs> oh. it's oh, kind of wow. like, it's kind of like the Marsha 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 thing, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. We always take something away from every meeting we have. Oh, <laughs> oh
1: yeah. It matches
2: his shirt too. He's wearing a pink shirt. Yeah. Yeah. That's a uh, that looks like a yeah that that was well done to that woman I guess so and she was protesting some environmental thing I guess that he was raping the country.
0: Right, but it it landed exactly right like it it could have landed right. Well, it could have landed like head forward and it could have been unclear what it was or could have landed see, right the but angle it, la- though. it landed like so you you got a good visual of
2: it was a diagonal
0: it was a diagonal shot
2: which made it very clear right you're right it, it would have been harder to see if it had been from the back
0: and the fact that it was a like a, a lesser known minister somehow that makes it slightly funnier i i yeah
2: well I'm that's because sure it's going to overshat it'll over dildo him I was gonna say over over dildo shadowing. him, but he'll be over dildo. He'll always live in the shadow of the dildo. Right. Right. Because like, if he were better known, then it's competing with other things about him.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like this is yeah. he's gonna he's gonna be linked to that dildo for the rest of his life. That sound like could we could we just
2: hear sound? Yeah, not pretty not... great sound. Oh my god, look at that! <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing. And also, we should describe to people it's a it's a like a a peachy flesh color. With kind of a straw with the what what plum this, color pink, with a plumish mauve pink tip, you know, uh if Mario, uh what is it if you will Mario Kart? What's his name? Matt Mario Wilson? Kart? No. Toad. Toad. Yeah. Head toad toad head. That's a great image that Matt Wilson just throws that on. Could is that be before better. or after? Oh good question. I don't know. Let's let's play it. Let's see. I say after. Uh, uh, it was bef- It was right before, right? Uh, I don't know. We got to play it in slow mo. Oh wow, <laughs> that's great. Doesn't it sound like a badminton um swap, um
0: like a serve or a, or like a lot? when it hits? Oh, right. When you're striking the shuttlecock
2: how the hell i had no idea that was what it was called shuttlecock are you kidding shuttlecock me? oh my god this is the most pe- you and you have we haven't even gone to the isn't that terrible yeah so we got penis in the trump story we got penis in the in the egging story
0: all right so what do we have for isn't that terrible
2: all right let's so let's start with um an article let's see complex lays it out um the complex article uh wilson So uh, I can also just tell it to you, but basically it's a story as old as time. Teen gets USB cable stuck in his penis and botched measuring attempt. Uh, A UK based teenager had to undergo emergency penis surgery after he somehow managed to insert a whole USB cable into his urethra. Now, this is a serious story. This was actually published in um, Science Direct and they have a very detailed article about it. It took place in London when the teen was transferred to the university college hospital London the end of the USB cable was protruding from the end of his penis he later requested for further examination without his mother present at which point he admitted that he inserted the cable to quote measure the length of his penis triggered by sexual curiosity I kind of admire that he didn't from the get-go ask to be questioned question without his mother present
0: what like he thought he was going to get away with it
2: Well, I mean, if I'm him, I'm like right away asking to be emancipated from my mother at the hospital. Yeah. Like, do you want her there for any part of this when you have a protruding USB?
0: Yeah, no, I don't.
2: Okay. uh, I mean, I don't know. I should not You're the You're the dude. So let's uh, see though, if there's an actual, I don't know if this is too awful, but there, well, I saw the x-ray. That's an actual x-ray. How can we describe this to people? The problem was that it was not, apparently the problem, due to the positioning, which was confirmed by x-ray, surgeons had to make an incision between his genitals and anus to pull the cable out. Quote, the knotted cable was revealed in the proximal aspect of the penile urethra and cut from the remainder of the cord. The case report reads, the urethra was closed with interrupted sutures and a urethral catheter was inserted. His recovery was uneventful and he was discharged the following day with simple analogies, oral." uh, antibiotics and the urethra and sur- suprapubic catheters in situ. Two weeks after the surgery, the teen had a follow-up appointment to assess how his healing had been going. No evidence of urine leak or urethral stricture was observed apart from a slight, uh, caliber changing at the distal ulber and proximal penile urethra. The catheter was removed successfully and ongoing follow-up is required to monitor for any long-term damage. How lucky is this guy?
0: He's lucky.
2: I mean, unlucky in that he decided it would be a good idea to put a USB in his urethra. But lucky, I'm going to say, given the outcome, it sounds like he has a still functioning penis.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's that's fortunate.
2: Do um, you know, by the way, that there's a term for this when you put something uh, up your urethra? Up in your urethra? Yeah.
0: No, what's the term for that?
2: I don't know why it's called this sounding. <laughs> and they're even sounding kits available to purchase online which often consists it's, of metal rods of various sizes
0: it's like when you're on a boat and you're and you're sounding the depth
2: is that what it is yeah what does that mean what do you do when you do that
0: 17 feet sir captain is right? there any it, sound
2: involved no
0: or lengths or whatever no you're you're, you're shoving a thing oh my gosh. to the bottom of the ocean floor to to sound the depths right well
2: yeah i guess so i don't know what's about sounding in either context but look uh, it's I,
0: we, it, it's just really just never put anything in your your, your i mean your yeah
2: at the risk of of kink shaming i would say let's know let's not do that guys but sounding is a thing And if we could just click on, you know, we do like to give shout outs to, uh, shouts out to good puns. So this remind this, the, the journalist who wrote about this case, referred to another case that had some very good coverage. So to speak at the New York Post. we could just click on that. So this is another example of sounding, uh, and the headline reads, uh, Jack and the bean block. Man gets six kidney beans stuck in penis while trying to, quote-unquote, express himself. He was struggling to pee, P-E-A. Uh, a Randy Michigan man redefined C-block after he got six kidney beans lodged in his urethra during a bizarre attempt at sexual gratification. The unnamed 30-year-old patient had repeatedly wanted to express the beans during ejaculation. <laughs> According... To-
0: <laughs> I was trying to figure out what the end game was there, but yeah. that's pretty funny.
2: <laughs> of course, that makes total sense. Express the beans during the ejaculation, according to the Winsworthy report published in the Journal of Urology Case Reports. So the sexual eccentric shoved six kidney beans in his urethra and attempted to expel them via natural emission. However, his pee shooter jammed during the process, prompting him to try to remove them with tweezers. When that failed, he reported to the hospital where he informed doctors he was struggling to pee. And then we have an actual CT scan showing three of the beans in the distal penile urethra. The backed-up bean stalker also admitted it wasn't his first time participating in this practice, although he never attempted to utilize this many beans. A subsequent CT scan confirmed that the poor soul harbored six beans in his urethra, which measured by uh, uh, which measured 15 millimeters by 7 millimeters each. Four were located between the urethral e- entrance and the urine pouch, while another had. St- Straight all the way to the bladder. Oh my God. After initially failing to extract the retail, infiltrators' medics managed to remove one legume by applying numbing cream to the area and then squeezing the penile passageway. The researchers reported. They eradicated the rest of the beans the following day via a complex process that involved holding the man's urinary entrance open and inserting a tube through which they passed surgical implements. They then plucked out the taco toppers taco
0: toppers,
2: with a tweezer-like tool and placed them in a basket. During nice. the highly invasive procedure, the Frijole fetishist suffered minimal trauma to urethra. I love, love it, that uh,
0: alliteration. Way know, to go. Great. Are those the, the beans? I think so. That is... I don't know what we're looking at there. So that's he,
2: he should thank his lucky stars in a similar instance of beans in the urethra the legumes had swollen to the point that endoscopic retrieval was impossible. It's unclear why someone would ever treat their manhood like a rain stick. However, experts say the sexual proclivity stems from psychiatric illness, sexual assault, or even attempts to somewhat paradoxically relieve urinary obstruction for the study. Experts have also blamed Sounding, a bizarre sexual proclivity defined by sticking foreign bodies in one's urethra. In October 2019, a man in Saudi Arabia made the world wince after revealing that he harbored tweezers in the urethra for four years. Oh my god. Unsurprisingly, scholarship on this subject is scarce due to its taboo nature, which is why we cover this on Useful Idiots. We are actually doing something to raise awareness, remove the stigma
0: yeah but they've these guys have raised the bar though like i think if you want to get our attention Those the species. next time it's got to be something like more I know. intense not like that a, we're
2: encouraging that at all like,
0: like a ps4 controller or
2: tweezers what why
0: yeah tweezers it doesn't i don't i'm not really You're sure like I get I, you get
2: the beans maybe
0: i don't get the beans either like not but it's none even
2: of... less gettable with tweezers
0: yeah the tweezers part because like no matter how you do it, it's gonna end up hurting in oh. one direction, right?
2: Yeah. Why do? Yeah.
0: That you know, this is the kind of stuff where, like, you know, n- normally I'm all if I see headlines like "there's too much democracy" and like you know, not everybody should should be allowed to vote and everything like that, and I always usually get hot and bothered. Like, that's ridiculous. You know, everyone should have a say in democracy, but oh, like if you're if you're shoving. If you're shoving tweezers up your urethra, well, no, you should say Are you vote. saying
2: no right to vote or are you saying you get paternalistic about it?
0: No, I'm just saying like it starts to make me wonder about like this the decision making of right. people. you um, don't know if
2: you want them pulling a lever, but um, um uh, right, too- yeah. I mean yeah come on, I gotta get a better the bean sprouts of democracy. No, that doesn't work. Beans. Beans. That sounds so harmless compared to a. I I mean, let's be real, guys. It, it this sounds is little... like best practices for sounding beans versus a tweezer or a USB. And if you're going to use a USB, make it not knotted. Not that I'm endorsing any of this. Another guy did that, remember? Did he swallow it? No, he didn't it, swallow it. Feels it feels like a
0: German him. fairy tale, you know, like...
2: Jack and the uh, Beanstalk.
0: Hans put six magic beans up his urethra, right. and then they, you know... And, and they then turn, what did they, they sprout? No, and they they turned they turned into a um, fairy princess who granted him three wishes. And, I see, right? You know what I'm saying? When
2: he when he extract what was the verb that they use? Express. Express them.
0: Yeah, if you can express these, if you can, and she's got her little wand. Right. If you can express these six magic beans, you can get everything you want. Something Would like that. Would they
2: come out as like refried?
0: <laughs> would <they> be sizzling. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean,
2: I'm not even talking about it in the fairy tale. I'm just saying, if as a matter of bio, you know, <clears throat> anatomy.
0: This stuff makes me feel really um
2: Hopefully. boring. Oh yeah, it's okay. I'm I'm I embrace the boring.
0: Yeah, all right. Uh,
2: I mean, yeah. I'm just thinking, would they? Depending on how long they were in there, I guess they could be expressed as like, I mean, My
0: kidney beans. I guess why like beans. a nice
2: no like a little nice what are small a black eyed pea would be a much better more humane. Yeah, even an even
0: way. a navy bean might, might. even a navy
2: bean a chickpea no see next the what those with
0: those with smush the
2: kidney bean well the kidney beans should be, should be smushed also more than the chickpea the chickpea is firmer no see, they need to soak what I don't also get is like why would you it's you're it's just like a warning sign it's called a kidney bean like do you want it to end up in your kidneys because that could happen you know what i mean it's like calling it a blad like a bladder bean
0: i I think that person just needs less spare time that's just my that's just my way of looking
2: to him being like i don't know like working in a sweatshop or something that would be very unfortunate imagine that imagine how committed you have to be if you were working
0: yeah i better get home quick <laughs> I've only got eleven minutes to get them up there oh my uh, god yeah, all right well that was um that was certainly weird so uh, terrible
2: was, terrible
0: terrible sorry that, that, was, yeah. that was that was certainly terrible so um those are the four food groups this week uh semi literally uh yeah and uh actually we had eggs we had we had beans we had all kinds of stuff going on We had on.
2: eggs we had beans we had mushrooms we had penises
0: well those aren't really food hopefully
2: oh well i mean yeah. problematic matt yeah uh
0: anyway those are the four food groups so we um we are now going to um interview an extremely interesting person uh whose name is uh josiah Zayner, and uh, i did a story on him last week uh, describing him as America's most censored person, we we've done uh, a bunch of shows uh, on on useful idiots about people who've had things removed from the internet from
2: their penises. Uh, Sorry,
0: people like Michael Moore. Yes, yeah, Ali
2: Abu Nima, Michael Moore. They've had things removed from the internet. True. Yeah. Right. Max good, Blumenthal. Has had Max Blumenthal.
0: Removed. Right. We there have been a bunch a bunch of people uh, from uh, J- Jordan Sheridan,
2: mm-hmm. Right. Yeah
0: uh so it's a theme like we're you know we're interested in this topic of, of internet censorship this story is like the mother of all internet censorship stories and it 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 goes in all directions he, this is a uh, a scientist who runs a company called odin um who is famous as what they call a biohacker uh and he'll explain what that is but um his experience is really, really interesting because it delves into all sorts of issues that are, um, you know, probably going to be very relevant in the near future. Like, you know, given that almost all commerce is now done through the internet, uh, what happens if you have a, an activity that the government says is legal but the tech companies don't like? You know, what happens then? Can they shut you down for that? Like, you know, so this, this is a person who's been who's been kind of bounced from almost every corner of the internet for a variety of reasons. Super interesting guy, very smart, free thinker. Should be a fascinating conversation.
2: Yeah, we should you not.
0: Welcome, uh, Josiah Zayner, to Useful Idiots. Thanks so much for coming on, appreciate it. I think it's
1: a really good way to describe me, you know? I think that's the way I describe <laughs> myself. as Kind of like
0: a useful idiot. <laughs> well, that's good. Then you'll fit. You'll fit right in uh, with the, with the show. Then. <laughs> um, so you, you and I spoke last week. I um, did a story described you as sort of the most censored uh, person in America. Now um, you have a company called Odin. First of all, what does Odin sell? Let, let's get that out of the way. Like what? What is a, a genetic engineering home genetic engineering kit? What's CRISPR? Well, for for people who don't know, like, I realized
1: that a lot of these science and medical technologies that we have, like, the only reason people can't or aren't using them is because there's this knowledge gap, right? And especially in science, the knowledge gap is like, things are behind paywalls, that knowledge gap is something that can be fixed. All we have to do is educate people. It's like computers. I think about this a lot, right? We like use our computers or really like use our phones. And like most people have not taken a class to like how to use a smartphone or like how to use a computer. They're intuitive. You learned about it. You grew up with it and all this different stuff, right? It's just like cultural knowledge that we all have now, just because these these pieces of equipment are so ubiquitous in our environments. And you look at something like genetic engineering, which can like cure diseases, right? Gene therapies can cure and treat diseases. We can engineer animals and plants, you know, to make fuels and food and crazy stuff. The applications are crazy limitless. We just need people working on it. And the only reason people aren't working on it is because there's that knowledge gap. If you want to figure out how to do this stuff, first, you got to get access to an academic paper, which is behind a paywall. Then you have to be able to understand it and, and read it and synthesize it and then get the equipment and all this stuff. And my idea was just like, what if we just cut out all the middle, you know, and just say here, here's a kit, we're going to synthesize all the knowledge for you, we're going to provide all the materials, and you're going to learn to do genetic engineering in, you know, a couple of days, are you going to be a genius and know everything about genetic engineering? No, we're going to have that hands-on experience. And if we can build it up enough, make it ubiquitous enough, then like the idea that anybody can do genetic engineering, anybody can make a medicine or gene therapy or something like that, I think is, is real, or at least more people, more people can do it. Like, I think that's real. And I think it can really change a lot. So we sell genetic engineering kits to teach people how to do this stuff. Yeah.
0: So it's educational, I think mean, right? like the or, or the experience that you're selling, people are learning about genetic engineering is sort of the idea, right?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's the whole thing that we're going for. Like we don't sell any drugs or medicines or anything like that. But I think the lack of knowledge around it makes people think we do and kind of like pushes people in this direction of like, oh gosh, you know, genetic engineering or like, you know all this stuff like oh they're they're trying to make new drugs or medicines or sell things to people or scam people or yeah I think there's a lot of lack of knowledge in that area in general or misinformation.
2: Well, how much does the profit motive also, um, in general, kind of like distort what's focused on or what's prioritized? Um, I mean, In my you, company
1: you, or in, oh in no general, sorry I meant
2: in general in science. Um, oh so
1: much, right? You have to understand that like. The drug market is so messed up. It's so messed up because these companies are only trying to make drugs that make money. And, and so, well, it's because the regulatory process is somewhat, right? So the FDA makes it really difficult to make drugs because they're trying to protect people, which we can say, okay, they really are trying to protect people to some extent. So they make the process really difficult because the process is so difficult, it costs a lot of money. Because it costs a lot of money, nobody's going to do it unless they can make a lot of money. Right. Like it so, gets
0: 22. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So it sets up the system that's purely profit motivated right. because yeah. they want to be able to keep doing it. Right. Because it's not so government funded. It's not, you know, something that is a big focus. And so we, it's this really messed up system where like, you know, about 60 drugs are approved every year by the FDA give or take, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little less. The majority of those drugs are derivatives or drugs for diseases that we already have treatments for. So the amount of new drugs for new diseases that come out are just like a handful each year, right? So you're thinking like how many diseases there are in the world, you know, there's a lot. According to the HWO, you know, there's about tens of thousands, right? And we have three, maybe you know five new drugs coming out a year it's like at this pace it's going to take an eternity before we find treatments for anything
0: right it's like like half of half of the new drugs that are coming out are like I don't know, like like a an ACE inhibitor that has like an you know an acid in it or something like that, right? It's totally. like a, pro- a cross oh of gosh. two things that you know that that they've they're already selling it, but they've decided to to market a new product that they can make more money on by selling it, you know, bilking insurance companies or something like
1: that. Totally, I read because well, so after like twenty years, I think it's twenty years, the drug becomes generic, and so what companies will do is they'll make a, a slightly different drug that is like a slightly different chemical structure or is like more no joke it'll just be like slightly more purified so it'd be slightly more pure they'll go to the FDA they'll get approval for that and then they'll start marketing and selling that and then you know it, it, this has happened a lot in the like antacid like acid reflux market where there's like mm-hmm. 50 drugs you know that all basically do the same thing that are all like billion dollar drug. it's like do we really need another antacid or like acid reflux drug no but they know they can make money off of it they know that like it'll get approved and so it's just oh
0: there are all these big drug companies some of them are doing crazy things like Purdue Pharma or you know they're making oxycodone stuff that does, has a lot huge, huge impact on the world but for some reason all, there's immediately all this uh, attention on you what happened first you got de- you got delisted by some internet platforms there was I think oh gosh an well, the first ad-
1: thing that probably happened to me was uh the fda contacted me uh-huh um we started selling a a modified a genetically modified yeast for brewing and baking it was genetically modified so it fluoresced it like glowed um <laughs> green it used a jellyfish protein you know to make it glow green and
0: um so you can have like glowing green food?
1: Yeah, yeah, That ma- it's made with yeast. So you can have glowing green beer a little bit. I mean, it's in the yeast, so you have to like keep the yeast in the beer. But yeah, it, it was basically what you can do. And um, for
2: St. Patty's day.
1: Yeah, it'd be perfect. <laughs> and uh, the FDA contacted us and was like, you can't do this, you can't sell this. You can't market it that way. And we're like, what? Like, you know, we did all the basic research that is normally required. To make uh, something like this, what they consider they call it grass, generally recognized as safe. You look up and see whether it's a toxin, toxin or allergen, or whether the chemical structure of it ma- matches any known toxin or allergen or things like that. It needs to go through animal testing, which you know this jellyfish protein has been through a ton of animal testing already. And so we are like, this is ridiculous. Basically, what you're asking us is to like repeat every experiment that's ever been done pay a bunch of money, come to you, ask you for approval, just so we can have teach people how to genetically modify a yeast to make it glow, like... <laughs> That just sounds crazy
2: before we move on more to your story just wanted to ask something else about the profit motive because you and matt were both talking about this kind of american tradition of diy and um yeah. unlimited imagination and then on the other hand uh hand or the other end of the spectrum it seems like there's also uh the alternative of more kind of like government funded right so so you have you know like cuba does all these these things with medicine they discovered yeah. like the meningitis vaccine Uh, how, what, so what's the solution? I mean, what should people be pushing for? Uh,
1: it's complicated, right? Because like, here's the thing is that like the FDA, it, it generally does good work, right? They make it so that drugs are generally safe. So you make a drug that can reach the most people hurt the least amount of people and drug companies can make money off of it so they can try to make more drugs. Right. That's just like a basic ecosystem and it, it generally works. The problem is is it doesn't leave any room for innovation or trying new things. I know so many people I get emails every day messages 20 times a day you know I just can't even read them anymore because they're they're so heavy I just you know right before this I got an email from somebody I mean I could even let me let me just pull it up really quick
2: If it's from someone who put beans in his penis exactly. <laughs> We just did a story on. Just, the, did just, a story just did a on thing that. on
1: that. No, my 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 mother was diagnosed last December with endometrial carcinoma, which is very rare and very aggressive type of cancer. Blah 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 blah. I'm I'm running out of official treatment options in time. Last November, I read a news article about science treating cancers in mice using wow. genetic engineering techniques. I'm writing to ask you to help me, in answering questions and being able to do this. They want to replicate this experiment in to to save their mother's life. Right. You can't, it's illegal. Even if somebody is literally about to die for me or a medical doctor or anyone else to try some cutting edge experiment on them, even if it's been tried in animals or anything, right. It's, it's illegal. You'll go to jail. And so, There's no room in the regulatory environment for that, for this like last ditch effort or experimentation that we need, right? Because individuals aren't getting the treatments that they need. Mass population is, but there's a ton of people slipping through the cracks because drug companies aren't making drugs
0: for them. Especially for sort of small idiosyncratic rare diseases, right? Because there's no, there's, there's no margin in that for the drug companies.
1: You want to hear a super fucked up story. So in, in the European Union in like 2016, there was a, a gene therapy, the first gene therapy ever approved called Glybera that was approved to treat this disease um, lipoprotein lipase deficiency. Basically what it is, is a buildup of fat in your blood. And that causes all sorts of problems you can imagine, right? Cause you don't have the enzymes and stuff to break down the fat. This gene therapy is basically just giving you that enzyme. So you can break down the fat, the pharmaceutical company. It, it got approved and then they tried to sell it for a million dollars. And I think like one person paid for it and nobody else could really afford it. And so they took it off the market because they're just like, it's too expensive to try to keep manufacturing this drug. And nobody's willing to pay for it. So like, we're not even going to sell it. So we literally have a cure. It went through clinical trials. We literally have a cure for a disease that exists that is not being provided to people because drug companies think they can't get the price they deserve for it. Like how fucked up is that? That is so messed up, right? Because somebody could be manufacturing, some government could be manufacturing this and providing it to the people that need it you know yes it's a a rare disease and there's not a lot of people who have it but like that's it it's pure profit pure money right we have the cure and it's like one of those conspiracy theories that people talk about like the government's hiding a treatment for cancer or something i don't think anybody's hiding it i think that they're just they can't make the profit that they want to make off and so there's probably a lot of these things out there like that that are just like eh you know yeah we can help these people but like who's going to make money off of it
0: okay well that's a good segue into this other issue that you had that involved something uh, another sort of biohack that you did last summer it's a it's obviously a different scenario but can you tell us what happened you you read a paper in may after after the pandemic starts you read a paper in may of last year yeah. that that's a, about uh some scientists who I, I guess they developed they tested um a, a dna based a dna vaccine on macaques and you, you 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 basically thought why isn't anybody working on this and decided to try it on yourself right is that, is that an accurate reflection of what happened
1: Yeah, you know, that's um, generally the way I pick like experiments to do or or things like that is like, if it keeps me up for a couple nights and I can't sleep and I just constantly think about it. And I read this scientific paper and they created DNA vaccine. It's really similar to the mRNA vaccines that everybody are getting. It encodes the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, right? And uh, they injected it in macaque monkeys. And they even challenged, challenged them, um, with COVID and they found that the monkeys that had the vaccine had, you know, were protected and, uh, it was pretty crazy because I was like, wow, you know, that's like amazing data, right? Like, why isn't everybody jumping on this? Why isn't everybody trying to like, there's no other, I think any other study that was done in monkeys for any other vaccine. At least that was public and published and all this stuff. At least not that I know of. There might be some out there. So don't judge me if there isn't, I missed it. But this was so prominent and out there. And I was just like, why is nobody working on this? Like, this is crazy. I expected like drug companies just to pop up and come out and get like a billion dollars investment from the US government for something like this. Especially because DNA is way more stable than mRNA right? The problem is with RNA and DNA is RNA has like a, a specific chemical structure that makes it so that it actually breaks down just in water. So if you leave it in water long enough, it's going to break down fairly fast. That's why you have to freeze it at like really cold temperatures so that this breakdown process doesn't happen very fast. Whereas DNA, you know, DNA, you can leave at any temperature, you could spit in it and, you know, throw it against the wall and whatever. And it's usually pretty robust, you know, like our DNA in our bodies. And we find DNA of organisms, you know, from long ago, like DNA is pretty strong. Um, it's got a half-life of like 50,000 years. I was wondering like, why aren't people doing this? DNA is also much easier to produce, right? We don't have the technology or the e- easy way to produce mRNA like we do DNA, so it's strange? Why, why,
0: why is that? I
1: forgive me because, for not knowing. Because organisms will replicate DNA really easy, so I can trick like say a bacteria into making me a ton of DNA. Whereas mRNA, um, you have to. It's really hard to purify to get specific parts of it and to just make make the whole thing. Whereas DNA, I can put. I can make like take my DNA vaccine. I could put it in some bacteria, some lab bacteria. And I could put little instructions in a piece of DNA that say, I want you to make a million copies of this for me. Right. So you trick the bacteria, basically hack and hijack the bacteria's, you know, normal cellular function to make you a bunch of DNA. And so you can just make untold amounts of it super easy, super inexpensively. Right. So like when we, we decided to manufacture this DNA vaccine. Um, I think it costs like $2,500 to synthesize. So they, you know, chemically synthesize and make the specific DNA we want, but then to actually copy it and manufacture it and produce enough for, um, you know, multiple doses, it was like $700 or, you know, $1,000. It was ridiculously inexpensive. And we didn't even do it at a scale that's like, really big so that price would drop down drastically and uh, yeah it was just crazy why nobody was doing it and I still haven't figured out you know what what happened with that um, and you know me and three other people I, I wanted to make it a little bigger than just myself and I wanted to show people that like what was possible so I live streamed the whole thing and taught people every step like how do you code DNA this is how you can code and order the DNA for the spike protein vaccine like went through everything, step-by-step-by-step, what, you know, requirements you need when you order it, what things you should look out for, you know, what quality control you should pay attention to and all these things. And then we went on, we tested it. We tested it to make sure it worked in human cells, you know, so that it made the Like in vitro? like Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had human cells that we grew in Petri dishes and we put the vaccine in and we saw that they made the protein. And then, uh, We went ahead and we said, all right, you know, let's like uh, test this out on ourselves, you know, and let's see what happens. So we did the exact same dose that they did in the paper, um, the same experiment, basically. We just wanted to redo the exact same experiment and see if it would work in humans. And uh, so we did dose two weeks apart, similar to what is done nowadays. I think they do three weeks apart or something like that. They saw that that works slightly better. And uh, we all saw an antibody response. Which is interesting because, like most people who get the vaccines nowadays, they don't—they're not tested for an antibody response, right? You just get the vaccine and you hope it works, even though every human body is different, and some people will get an antibody response and some people won't. Some people will be stronger, some people will be less strong. But we didn't just test for an antibody response; we also tested to see if our antibodies would neutralize the virus. So there's like an assay you can do that—that that uses the viral protein and sees. And, and, and checks if it binds to the human ACE2 receptor, you can do this in like, you know, a plate and measure all these things that, that, that happen. And we showed that we had, before we did the second injection, we didn't have any viral neutralizing antibodies. And after our viral neutralizing antibodies just started to go up. Wow. Yeah. And so it was like, wow, we have data that shows that like this thing, you know, had an immune response. I I, I hate to say that it worked because like human biology is complicated and like each person is different, but like we had an antibody response and a viral neutralizing antibody response. That's what the data says. You can't deny that stuff. Right. It's
0: at least encouraging. Right.
1: Well, I mean, it basically means that generally it should be protected. Right. If you were to say, how does that translate to the real world? If somebody who's making a vaccine said like had a viral neutralizing antibody response you'd say okay that should protect you from the virus so it should be no different than if say i went and got modernas or pfizers or anybody else except the fact that like i'm tested most people aren't most people don't know if the vaccine like how well it worked on them right and i'm the one who doesn't have a vaccine card i'm the Hmm. one who like you know can't prove that i've been vaccinated and that's kind of crazy
0: So this was this, this was last summer that you did this, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we started slightly after the paper came out and we did step-by-step. So it took us a little longer. We could have just injected it, you know, in June and been done with the experiment, but we wanted to show people like the step-by-step process of how you'd create and test a vaccine, like real biomedicine. So we followed the paper and did the experiments they did. Um, And so I think we finished sometime around September, um, August or September of 2020. So way before, you know, clinical trials had started recruiting by then, but way before it was uh, able to be received by the general population.
2: Can you send this to countries that can't afford it?
1: Well, gosh, I was contacted by so many people. And that's the crazy thing where it was just like, but like, what do I do? Right? Like, I'm just a person. I'm not like wealthy or anything like that. I can't manufacture a ton of this and send it off to a country and be like, I'm like, who do I contact? You know, like, Hey, I'm some random biohacker PhD guy. You know, most people don't even care about the data or the science or anything like that. They care where it came from. Did it come from Fauci? Did it come from the CDC or did it come from, you know, somebody else? But I was contacted by a ton of people. And, you know, even recently, the crazy thing is, is like just September this, this month, India came out and said, that they're using a vaccine that's almost identical to the one we used.
0: a DNA vaccine, DNA
1: vaccine. And that's just like, what the fuck? You know, like what
2: took so long? And to hear the rest of the interview, please go to usefulidiots.substack.com.
0: So that was interesting. And I could tell you I could tell you're a little bit
2: about him. It's not about him. It's just Mm -hmm. the issue in general, like I don't like he is a pro-vax guy. He's not an anti-vax guy. I don't I mean, I just think that these issues that we're raising in general, I I do feel conflicted about them, which and I don't have an answer. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I feel like for me, the easy out is that I don't trust what YouTube does. I don't trust these companies, but I don't know. And maybe this is like 1984 ish of me. And I know you've made the point, Matt, that once we take away certain rights or we impose certain things, for like emergency situations it's hard to get them it's hard to remove them later on i guess this is just you know there there are lots of trade-offs so maybe it's not that deep maybe there's lots of stuff that i think is is very bad that's on youtube and the answer is not to ban it but i am disturbed i'm not gonna lie and this will get me a lot of people will turn on me but like i am disturbed by some of the information out there about the vaccine but whatever free speech that's the point right you defend it when it's disturbing well
0: so I've, i i think what i've had consistently with the company's response um over covid is that they you know they they, they kind of um approach problems that at best should be dealt with surgically they kind of use a bazooka at them so anything that anything that to, that to them sounds like you know, it's anything other than take the mRNA vaccine, it just falls under the rubric of like a prohibited category of speech. Yeah. And so, you know, like in the the case of Josiah, and I I know that there are people out there that there are, there are scientists who who say things like, like, what he did wasn't even that interesting, or, you know, like, it's, it's not a big deal you know it doesn't prove anything it's not science what whatever but you know look it's 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 a true thing that happened they actually did do it i feel the same way about this that i feel about like true news stories like you 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 get in trouble when you cover up when, when you remove something that's true right. because it has the wrong message that you, ultimately that that's always ends up being self defeating yeah, you know, like right. m- maybe you get, you
2: create martyrs.
0: Yeah, and also someday, some someday it might actually be helpful for somebody who's working on something else to say, oh, you know, this person did this, and yeah, maybe that becomes part of their thinking about something else. Like the the more stuff that's out there to know, the the, the better. That's that I'm, was the whole idea behind the internet to begin with,
2: right? You know? I mean, I'm not saying this to cover my ass or, or cover rs's because we just had this guy on i legit think there's a big difference between what he's doing and the people who are saying don't take the vaccine vaccine will kill you the vaccine will make you you know will fuck you up take ivermectin instead like i i don't think that he for me what he did doesn't fall under that that category of things that make me go "Mm, not sure what to do about this Mm
0: -hmm.
2: which isn't Mm -hmm. but there's still a problem i think about what how we respond to it. i don't know the answer but but it doesn't apply to him if that makes well, sense what
0: i'm yeah, saying yeah i mean I, I don't think his case is like easy either like I, you know if, if i were the head of the fda like how sure am i that i want people out there making their own vaccines like i i would probably sure. think twice about that like i mean i i can i can, I can definitely see the argument although yeah. although I, I you know ultimately it's... i come come down on the idea that you know letting people experiment, do crazy experiments alone you know, it's it's a net plus in, in our history. You know, yeah. I think I think that's that's been true. Right. So yes.
2: I guess I'd see that slightly different from discouraging people to, um, from taking vaccines that um, it is weird. There's like a real divide on the left now. In what way? Um, well, there's certain people, I think, who were used to being fellow travelers um, ideologically. And there are some people on the left who I think are more critical of the vaccine that's causing like a division where there doesn't usually where one doesn't usually exist i mean Mm -hmm. this happens a lot with politics but um yeah i don't i think it's what's interesting to me is with the vaccine apartheid stuff because most leftists i know it makes sense that we stand in solidarity with all the people in in india or other countries who are demanding that the government you know um make these drugs accessible But there's some Mm. leftists who are very critical of the vaccine don't really believe in in not believe in it. They don't think that there should be mandates, but it's not just that there shouldn't be mandates. They just think that people shouldn't they think that they there's the the off isn't worth it, which Mm. puts them at odds with these people who they would otherwise be agreeing with these these activists in other countries. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. I mean, it's. There's a lot of tough issues here, like yeah, the mandate. Yeah. The mandate's not an easy issue, like yeah. the censorship stuff. Uh, I'm very anti-censorship in general, there, yeah. but there's a, there's a couple of instances where you can make the argument that, you know, we're not talking about a speech issue. We're talking about a crime issue, right? Like if you, you know, if if you tell somebody to, you know, they're going to be cured of COVID if they if they swallow rat poison, like yeah. You know, know what I'm saying? Like there are some things where it it starts to get into not being a First Amendment issue and becoming something else. But um, but, you know, there's a lot of difficult issues here, like the the, the route that they've chosen, which is let's let's prohibit any speech that doesn't say that this one vaccine is 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 the right one and is infallible is inherently to me problematic because sure. it ends up raising more questions than it answers like yeah. like, Pretty just to go problems. back to the the thing with like ivermectin like i i i don't if i had to guess i would guess that ivermectin probably is not a prophylactic that uh, yeah. or or you know maybe at best it, it might help lessen symptoms or something Sometimes like that yeah. I, I don't know right but the the thing is when you when you when you step in and you start preventing people from saying it's a human medicine that with with a with a track record it's just a horse dewormer the first thing that people do is they, they go and look online and they see that that's yeah, not true, and, not then true. That, and then and that, yeah. you know what i'm saying so creates like
2: creates a much bigger credibility gap
0: right and prices. that's. And and that's what I think there's there's a lot of that going on where it's like, for safety's sake, let's eliminate, you know, these 10 things that people are saying that aren't exactly on message and, and pretend that they're either not true or they don't exist or whatever it is. And then people find them. And then that raises questions in their mind. And that and that just contributes to the problems, you know, not a fan of any of that. And, you know, and, and this guy's, you know, in Josiah's case is, is interesting because again, you know, what happens in the future where somebody develops a product that they do all the work to get to market and they they, they pass muster with the FDA or whoever it is, whatever the regulatory body is, but suddenly YouTube or Google or Amazon or 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 paypal or mastercard or whoever it is decides they don't like this product so now they're gonna impose their own idea of regulation on it like that's that's a new thing we just sort of haven't had that issue in america where it's you know at, in addition to the official regulatory structure where there's now this secondary thing that you have to grapple with that you know there's no process for you know like that that's weird too
2: yeah it's a shit show and there's so much cancellation. Also, makes me afraid of even saying anything. There's like cancel culture, which I know doesn't exist, but whatever. They'll, I mean, there are people who there's certain things you're allowed to say. You know, we've talked about this before. You're either a a neoliberal sh- neoliberal shill or a grifter. There's right. that. You know, um, and even now with this, like I'm afraid of YouTube. You know, taking down one of our videos or if, with this video. Like th- that's the irony is I've done I've done episodes that are very pro. I don't want to say pro vaccine. I guess they are pro vaccine, but like big farm is awful. It's this. It's just also a weird position too, where it's like I acknowledge that these like they're doing it for the wrong reasons, but these things are I think save people's lives. I'm worried that YouTube will just see the words or you know because they go through the videos and and see what words are there. And, well, yeah,
0: no, that, and that's, that's not a position that anybody who's in media should ever have right, to be in, right? right? Like, I, I did an interview with pretty reputable legacy media company, interview was about something else, but Ivermectin came up, and they were, you know, so sort of off camera, like, they were nervous about, like, how to ask the questions, you know, like, how do we ask the questions so that we don't get into a place where this video ends up getting you demonetized, know, or, demonetized or demonetized or, or, or whatever, right? Down in the so, yeah,
2: algorithm. And we
0: weren't, we weren't talking about anything that had anything to do with, you know, not taking the vaccine or anything like that. It was strictly like, you know, it was, it was about court cases where people had tried to get permission to take the drug or whatever it was, right? It was something silly like that. Well, all these thoughts that are in our heads now about things we maybe can't say are we sure we can say them like that's that's totally new we didn't we didn't we didn't deal with that even when we started the show a couple years ago i mean there was maybe we maybe thought about some of the russia stuff getting us in trouble like on twitter but like you know in terms of getting yanked off the internet that's new but uh anyway interesting talk with josiah and um and we will see you again uh on monday
2: yeah and we'll have some updates about infrastructure and debt ceiling. We, you know, all that stuff is still going on. And
0: your co-host appearance on uh, Real Time with Bill Maher. So.
2: Oh yeah, guys, look out for it. It'll be tonight. Matt Taibbi will be on Bill Maher. Huge news. He got that Katie Halper bump. That's Finally, moved right. yep. him. <laughs> they decided to. Invite Matt to IB uh, on for the first time ever. He's never done real time with Bill Maher, except That's for right, what, yeah. three times before? How many times have you done it?
0: Oh, more. Uh, I was actually a car, uh, I, more than that. Yeah.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. A I,
0: I, I did it. I, did, I, I was like a regular contributor to them once hmm. for the campaign.
2: Like oh, I did okay. videos for them. But you weren't right. But in studio, you've done it what, like?
0: Probably five times, maybe. Here you go. Five, six, something like that. So, yeah scary show it's like hard to do
2: but, yeah you um, never know matt looks it looks so effortless when matt's on i'm not being yeah uh, i don't know we'll see anyway we'll, tips are staying calm cool and collected yeah
0: yeah yeah well we'll see how it works out but uh we'll we'll see you on monday
2: yes see you monday monday morning all right take care bye everyone Hello, thank you so much for listening to and watching Useful Idiots. For full episodes and extended interviews, please subscribe at UsefulIdiots.substack.com. You can subscribe on YouTube at YouTube.com slash UsefulIdiots for clips, live streams, and full episodes. Also, subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at UsefulIdiotPod and use the hashtag UsefulIdiotsPod. Join us Mondays at 10 a.m. for the Useful Idiots Monday morning show, where we discuss the Sunday morning news shows so you don't have to watch them.